Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. What would the world look like if we took even just one of Jesus' commands and followed it? really lived it out the best we could every day. Like what if we truly gave to everyone who asked of us? What if we always treated others the way we would want to be treated? What if we loved our enemies? It's hard to imagine what that would look like. It seems so far from our current reality. But it's hard not to smile when you picture it. What the world would look like if there was no one in need, if we treated all people with kindness, if we prayed for our friends and our enemies alike. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus shares a vision of God's kingdom, of what earth could look like. This reading is the second part of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, picking up right where we left off last week. Last Sunday, we read the blessings and woes that begin the sermon. And next week, if Easter fell later in the year and we had an eighth week after Epiphany, then we would have read the third part of this sermon. But instead, we'll celebrate Transfiguration Sunday. So, if you want Jesus' whole sermon for homework this week, please read Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 49. 
In these three weeks of readings, or this one sermon, Jesus shares a vision of God's kingdom, including how God's ways are different than our human ways, how the followers of Jesus are called to live differently, how God wants more for us and wants what's best for us, proclaiming the kind of world that's possible through Jesus and his love. Jesus tells us to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who abuse you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. If someone asks for your coat, give your shirt as well. In short, love the people who are the hardest to love. And it all sounds too good to be true, or too difficult to actually work, or kind of unfair. That's great in theory if everyone did this, but this is the real world. The nice people would just be rewarding the mean people, right? Why would we want to live this way? Now, a few years ago, I had this text come up when I was teaching a confirmation class. And I talked about that word, enemy, which can be difficult to relate to. It's a word that comes up all the time in the Bible, but not so much in conversation. And I wanted to connect this passage to their lives. So I asked this group of middle schoolers to think of one person who was mean to them or who bullied them, or maybe just someone they didn't like or get along with, someone they were always in competition with. We each thought of a person, and then I asked them to write down that person's name. I didn't have them share the name. They could keep that part private. But I said we were going to take some time to silently pray. We were going to try exactly what Jesus told us to do. We were going to love our enemies by praying for them. So we silently prayed for a minute or two. And then we ended our lesson in our usual way, which was to share our highs and our lows and our God moments. And then I didn't think about that lesson again. Until some weeks later, one of the students, a girl named Emma, came up to me filled with excitement. Pastor Sarah, Pastor Sarah, do you remember when we prayed for our enemies? We're friends now. (laughs) Emma had prayed for her enemy. And now she had a new friend. I don't think it's always that easy. But Emma's joy as she shared that news. We're friends now. That's the hope contained in this passage. It's a natural reaction to want to return evil with evil. It feels deserved, even justified. 
But what is the result of that? What do we gain? Bitterness, enemies, ongoing feuds, the grief of a lost relationship, more sadness, more anger. We think it might make us feel better, but it doesn't. When we return evil for evil or hate with hate, even if in some ways that's what's deserved, we become the thing that we hate. We allow ourselves to be hurtful or to do harm. And we don't allow the possibility for growth or change in that other person. We miss out on the opportunity for something better, something more. Jesus knows that what he's preaching isn't logical, it's not practical, it goes against our internal sense of justice. It's not the way the world works, but it's a better way. It's the way of God's kingdom. When we return hate with love, there's hope there. Suddenly, reconciliation is possible. Learning and growing is possible. Relationship is possible. A shared future together is possible. Returning hate with love isn't weakness. It doesn't mean we should allow abuse or ignore wrongdoings or allow those who hurt others to get away with it. People need to be held accountable and face consequences and make amends. But returning hate with love takes strength. It means recognizing the other's humanity. Recognizing they are a child of God, created and loved. Our reading from Genesis offers a poignant example of this. Joseph forgave his brothers who were so jealous of him. They wanted to leave him for dead, but then sold him to Egypt into slavery. They were evil and cruel. And now they were in a land experiencing famine, and Joseph had the means to feed them or to let them go hungry. He forgives them and decides to care for them and their families too. He doesn't forget what they did. He names their sins, recalls what has happened. But he decides to forgive them because that's the person that he is. And maybe they have changed too. That kind of forgiveness takes an unbelievable amount of strength. The brothers are shocked by his generosity. They can't believe it. Joseph allows God to be the only judge. And he chooses to heal the relationship with his brothers. This act of forgiveness is amazing. Joseph sees his brothers not for what they've done to him in the past, but for who they are now, people in need. Being a parent to a toddler has taught me a lot about myself. (laughs) It's challenged me and transformed me 
into being a more loving and patient person. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but toddlers can be wild hurricanes of emotions sometimes. They're sort of known for having tantrums, these very loud outbursts of emotions. But there's one piece of advice that I read that's really stuck with me. When your child is having a meltdown, remember that your child is not giving you a hard time. They are having a hard time. This is a child in crisis. And in this moment of crisis, they don't need a lecture or a lesson. What they need most in this moment is connection and security and love. And adults? Well, adults are just bigger toddlers. The tantrums are, usually aren't quite as loud, but the emotions are the same. So often when a person is acting poorly or causing you pain or using hurtful words, they aren't just giving you a hard time. They are having a hard time. What they need is help with those same basic needs for connection and security and love. We don't know what an individual is going through, but something has brought them to this place of anger or violence or evil or bad behavior. And if in response to evil, we love and we bless and we pray, that kind of undeserved love, that grace, it transforms. It has healing power. When the enemy receives love, maybe they might even become a friend. We know that this unconditional love transforms because we've experienced it for ourselves. God loved us before we deserved it, before we could earn love. God forgave us our sins before we could name them all or make amends or try to live better. Jesus loved us even on the cross while dying at the hand of his enemies, destroying sin and death by his love. It's a love that doesn't make any sense. It's not logical or fair. But in receiving it, we are transformed by it. And as the body of Christ on earth, with God working in us and through us, in a world that's so full of division, we have the power to love our enemies and return hate with love, to transform the world into a more loving place until earth reflects God's heavenly kingdom.